Hello and welcome to the Enlightened Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hunt. In this episode, Ellie Smith joins me for a breakdown of the movie and the book, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Here we go. Certainly the most underrated of all the Harry Potter books. I will definitely say. I thought you were going to say movies, and I was like, "Are we really going to start with that?" I so we. It just... was it was better than I remembered it being. Yes, I will give it that. I will not say it's a great movie. It's like a, it's like a C plus B minus movie. Did you ever want uh, read any of those great illustrated classics? When we no, were kids? I didn't. I had like the regular classics. They were with the, no pictures. They were like white with red and whatnot. No, I had the regular classics with no pictures because I was a masochist. No, I like, yes, I also re- had classics that I read. But when I was really young, the, we had a lot of the, there was some publishing company, I want to say yeah. it was Penguin. Had no, I've seen long... the Barnes and Noble before. No, I had like, the books that I was reading when I was a kid were, were a lot more just like chapter books. I think I had like all the Judy B. Jones and I had like the Nancy Drew. And... Yeah, so I didn't read as many of those. Yeah, yeah. like the Magic Treehouse stuff. I didn't have the, the classics, classics. Yeah. So we had a lot of um, abridged yeah. classics for kids, basically. And that is exactly how I would describe Goblet of Fire, the movie. It is very much like, it's an, a, the movie yeah. is an abridged yeah. version. There are parts that are silly that I disagree with. Yeah. But in large parts, it gets across kind of what needed to get across. There are definitely some major plot holes, which I don't think are in any other Harry Potter movies. Like, there aren't any major serious plot holes. But I think that um, Goblet of Fire has a couple. Yeah. But I'm, I, you know, I'm... My favorite thing about the Goblet of Fire movie is just how ridiculous the actor is who plays Barty Crouch Sr. Oh my god, he's absurd. I'm he's actually... putting on some weird Belgian accent, and yeah. I don't get it. So, uh, Burt Ferguson and uh, Reggie Wilder yeah. what kind of questioned whether or not they should be on for a separate episode about Goblet of Fire the movie. So stay tuned for that episode. Because that's going to be a lot more of the impressions and stuff. But several times, he just has weird, crazy lines. Ooh, Chinese fireball. Ooh. <laughs> uh, the, the worker who is in charge of the championship must be 17. And it's just very like, what? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, then there's, uh, what's we call it? There's... Uh, there's half a dozen other scenes. Yeah. Silence! Silence! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so strange. It is. It's very, so they strange. made some very odd choices about the movie. Certainly about that actor. And not that it was bad. It's just strange. It was the only one that that particular director did, yes? I don't remember. You watched the 20th anniversary like reunion thing. And I think it was Chris Columbus did the first two. Then it was Alfonso Cuaron. Then I think it was a different guy who did the fourth movie. Oh, yes. It was that older guy. Yeah. He broke he, his rib. Right. Because yeah. he, he talked about how he got on the floor with uh, Fred, James and Oliver Phelps to yes. show them how they should be roughhousing when they take the aging potion and actively broke his rib. Yeah, which is awesome. He <clears throat> um, seemed like a very nice And then I think guy. it was one guy who then did Order of the Phoenix through the end. Because yes. they all yeah, had the yeah. same kind of dark... I think he did... Uh, I don't like um, the Order of the Phoenix movie as much. I mean, I hate the book. But there, there's something about the feel of Order of the Phoenix, the movie, yeah. that I don't 
I don't like. It's kind of out of step with everything else. Where and you go from, like... Goblet of Fire was always the turning point for me. It was the biggest book up till that point. It might even be the longest. Is it? No, Order of the Phoenix is the longest book. I'm not sure. Truth um, but it's the first one where you have, like, the lightness that you have in the first three books, in the first three movies, but then you also have that fear and that darkness and that, like, creeping feel of, oh, something bad's gonna happen. And then it does. Um, with The Order of the Phoenix, I feel like you don't get that balance. I mean, Goblet of Fire is, like, very much the turning point. Yeah. I, I, I uh, think she intended it very much that yeah. way. And it's the first, like, tome. It is. It's where, it's very much where we go from these are kind of, like, middle grade children's books to these are very much middle grade young adult books. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the filming of the movie I feel like fits right in with the yeah like the the I don't know the scenes the humor the the it fits right in with yes yeah, there is there is still that lightness to it where you have the twins playing pranks on each other and on everyone else you have Ron being taught how to dance by Professor McGonagall it's like yeah sorry you're giving me a funny look but you still have those moments of lightheartedness that I feel like we get fewer and fewer of in the succeeding movies. And that's kind of, well, I wouldn't even say fewer in the succeeding movies. I think it's just, I don't know, there's something about specifically Order of the Phoenix, the movie, that I just don't, I don't like. I feel like it's very different. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't fit as well. It feels like more like a Harry Potter knockoff. Okay. Or Harry Potter and like Im- imitation okay is kind of how it feels to me it's very odd whereas i think that half-blood prince mm-hmm. and the way half-blood prince is filmed that i can see a direct correlation yeah. between the way that half-blood prince is filmed and prisoner of azkaban for example yeah. or uh the fourth one actually yeah. for that matter i i think that um there's a lot of quran's um feel in mm-hmm. the is certainly um Half-Blood Prince, but I think in Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part 2 as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can mm-hmm. see that. But focusing in on Goblet of Fire. Yeah, we should probably get back to that. Yeah. And we should Ron talk about and, the book as well. I was gonna say, maybe. gotta say, Ron and Harry's hair, absolutely awful in this movie. Horrendous. The worst haircuts I've ever seen. When I was a kid, coolest shit. Oh of God, all no! Time. I thought it, it was, was awesome. It was the number one thing we complained. Like my friends and I would complain about watching that, being like, "Oh, they're not even cute anymore. Their hair is gross. They look so raggedy." I thought it was awesome, and I yeah. Uh, as an adult, it's less cool, but they're fourteen, so I mean, par for the course. Mm-hmm. But I the yeah, uh, I thought the hair was really cool when I was a kid, and I wanted to have. <laughs> But that was, you know, 2005, 2006 when yeah. this came out. Um, so, yeah. the I would say it's the most underrated book. Yeah. By far. Um, the tasks are so cool. Um, I, I don't love every task, but it's just the plot that she has yeah. for Barty Crouch on top of, like... Ludo Bagman. The simple genius of her... Well, like, and... Of saying, like, all right, I need to write uh, another book, another adventure. 
what is going to be in this wizarding world? And the fact that she goes, oh, I know. I'll do the Wizarding Olympics. Yeah, Quidditch and World Cup. And it's like, yeah, that it's not Quiz- Quidditch World Cup. Like, the tribal oh, tournament, the tournament is very yeah. much Wizard Olympics. Wizard Olympics. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, that's just genius. Like, it, it it's the same thing as Quidditch. Why I think um, J.K. Rowling with, um, uh, with Quidditch is just pure genius. The simplicity of it. What would witches and wizards do for a sport? Well, they fly around on broomsticks. Yeah. Like, we have this ingrained how we view witches and wizards now, but think of it back in, excuse me, in back in whatever she released the other one in, like, 1995. Something like that. It was, like, the late 90s, yeah. Yeah, when she released the first one, and it's just the simple genius of, like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know how witches, broom cauldrons and stuff, they rode around on brooms. Yeah. So if they played a sport, they do it on brooms. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I think she applied that same simple, dumb, genius logic, which is, you know, it's not... Uh, like, oh my god, where did she ever come up with this? It was just one of those, like, oh, that's oh, yeah. perfect. Like, yeah, exactly. Just out of... Yep. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That works. Yep. yep. And it's just one of those, like, and... Um, but then she sprinkles true genius on Yeah. It, which I think is the, um, the, the Barty Crouch entire plot line from beginning to end, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. We were robbed of... I wanted, I wanted so much more David Tennant in the movie. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I think you want more of David Tennant in your life, period. He's going to be the voice of one of the characters in a new show that I'm going to, that I'm super into. I'm super excited. I love David Tennant. Um, he was good in um, Broadchurch, though. The yeah. more time that distances me from Broadchurch season one, the less I like the show, because season three was so depressing and season I two wasn't great. I was going to say, I haven't even finished season one yet. I can't get myself to sit down and watch it because it's so depressing. That's the the first one was quite good. I yeah. think it went downhill yeah. quickly. Even though I ate as um, binging. Yeah. Was. But yeah, he. But that's I, when you got your wisdom teeth out. So you were binging oh, a lot. Of, you were binging a lot of TV. I forgot about that. I'm pretty sure I was like going to work, so I couldn't like just sit on the couch and watch TV with you. Yeah. Um, I um. But I I I I also grew an affection for. David Tennant, and I think he's a very good actor, and I would have liked to actually have seen him as more Barty Crouch. I think that would have been cool to have more of the Barty Crouch Jr. stuff. Um, Barty Crouch Jr. No, no, no. There was not enough There was like a five-second pause. Yeah, Igor Kaka. Absolutely. Like, give Igor the Oscar for no, absolute no, no. dickery. I have one more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he needs he to is, prove the Atis curse. Guy's an absolute slimeball. The aura! Frank Longbottom yeah. and his wife! Mm-hmm. No. We lose out on Winky. Yeah, we, we lose out we, on Spew. I, but that's the whole thing, is I think Winky's awesome. I think that. Because Winky comes up in, um, in succeeding books, too, because then she's a Butterbee alcoholic. Uh, that's in this book. Um, after, oh, that's fair. She, after she gets fired. Yeah, I think she kind of gets mentioned as, like, she's doing better at some yeah, point like in one of the books, but it's not ever mentioned again. I actively... I think Winky was a, was a great character in that she wasn't a great character, but that she, like, allowed for great plot. Yes. Um, with taking care of Barty Crouch Jr. But, um, I, I... What do you think of Spew? I didn't really see the need for it. It felt kind of like an unnecessary 
plot side point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's never really mentioned again. It's um, mm-hmm. the only time it ever really comes up again is in the seventh book when Ron's like, "Oh no, we got we got to go get the house elves," and Hermione is horrified, thinking he means for them him to go get them to have them help the fight. He's like, "Oh no, we need to get them out." And even and that's in the book. That's when they had their first kiss. But, I don't know, it was like Hermione being kind of an activist, which is like, cool, but it didn't seem to fit in with everything else. Um, it's controversial to yeah. look among Potterheads, I'm told, um, because it's uh, J.K. Rowling making fun of activists, um, which I understand, to, to a degree... I understand uh, both sides, honestly, where it's, I do understand activism. I, you know, there are a lot of activism that I support. And then there's also just the simple social idiosyncrasies of activists where they tend to have uh, um, intensity and a zeal that, you know, people in their average day-to-day lives um, don't love. So I, I, you know, I'm okay with, her poking fun at activism, meanwhile trying to actually show that sometimes what they do is good. Um, yeah. The uh, the the drawing the lines between, you know, an enslaved race of house elves and any other enslaved race between humans as allegory, I don't think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's. That being said, it does strike me as very much Hermione's personality. Oh, 100%. So it makes sense for Hermione to get on this soapbox and be absolutely horrified that there's an army of house elves living in the basement. Yeah, and I probably would have been more okay if she didn't start like the actual activism, activism part of it. Yeah. If it was just something that she always bothered her and yeah. she always mentioned. Yeah. That she wanted to do something about it, opposed to, like, you know, you have a tin, and and uh, Harry will be the secretary. Yeah. Is, like, a, that I don't like as much. Yeah, it would have been more um, meaningful if it was something where she actually went and, like, talked to Professor McGonagall about it, or talked to Professor Dumbledore about it, rather yeah. than, like, going around the student body being like, let's collect money for the house elves, and being like, okay, well, what are we, what is, what's yeah. the end goal of this? Um, and that's kind of, and Hermione, I feel like, would have been someone who would have gone to yes. McGonagall yeah, or yeah, Dumbledore. Yeah. And Dumbledore definitely would have been like, oh yeah, yeah that totally yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you... So there's a final note on that. It's one of my favorite jokes in the entire book. I, I would venture book series, and it, the way I'm delivering it might not even be that funny to anybody. But just in the books, when Hermione desperately tries to get Hagrid to join Spew, and he openly says no. And she's like, why? You know, like, house elves want to be free. And he goes, no, you'd be doing an unkindness. They, like, they're, they genuinely are happy at the yeah. way they do, like, the way they do things. If they want to be free, then I'd set them free. But if they don't, let them be happy. And Hermione goes, well, some house elves don't want to be free. Look at Dobby. And Hagrid just goes, well, yeah, you get weirdos in every breed. And it was just that stupid, like, <laughs> like dumb comment that yeah. just made me crack up. Yeah, it's like, oh, house like, elves want to be. Like, this is what house elves want. She's like, no, no, no. And Which, I mean, when you have a fan, like, it's 
It's very much... It's um, bad allegory, yeah. but if it's literal, then yeah. It's right, and it's very much simplified in the Harry Potter world, where it's like, oh yeah, like, house elves, all, all house elves desire is to serve their family. And then you've got Dobby being Dobby, but Dobby also serves the Malfoys, and if there's any family that no one would want to work for, it's the Malfoys. Yeah. Um, but then you get house elves like Creature, who serve the House of Black, mm. and... He wants nothing more than to talk to the portrait of his dead mistress and mm-hmm. secret, secret, um, like, black family heirlooms away in his little cubbyhole. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Winky. So it's kind of, it's it's an issue that she introduced, you know, it's like classic George Lucas. Yeah. Where she introduces this broad-reaching, like, really intense, um, big idea and then she just doesn't resolve it. Yeah. It's just like, hey, there's an issue here. And then just like, okay, what's like, what's the resolution? Are you going to teach us something about ourselves? Nope. And it was just like, no. Yeah, just, we're just going to forget this ever happened. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, in the, sidetracking again, but in Order of the Phoenix, when she retcons and destroys all the time turners, so she doesn't have to deal with the time travel issue. Yeah, uh, I'm... Which, like, is fair. I, it's, it's fair, I, because it's the, the time only, travel issue was a big issue. It's. I was gonna say, it's It's what, um, it's the only thing that could potentially have destroyed the ending of Prisoner of Azkaban. And it just opened up way too much. Yeah. Where Dumbledore himself could have easily saved Sirius at yeah. any point in time. So she just needed to write a different ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm okay with Harry and uh, Hermione using... Uh, what's McCall it? Um, Buckbeak to go save mm-hmm. him, but they can set Buckbeak free mm-hmm. and then be caught by um, Sirius, brought into the Shrieking Shack, and then so on and so forth. And then they can go back out into the woods after and yeah. get Buckbeak and get Buckbeak. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's just one of those like that simple ending. Yep, um, would have been far better. I mean, I I think Prisoner of Azkaban's. Um, it's your favorite. Yeah, it probably is. It's, it's certainly up there. Yeah. And that being said, like, that is a flawed ending. But mm-hmm. um, getting back on track for Goblet of Fire, uh, we got to talk about Ron, which is so he sad. He is such... Oh, God. He's a dick. He's an asshole. This is the f- turn yeah. in which she needed to make some hard decisions about what she wanted to do with Ron. Yeah. And uh, she refused kind of kicked the can down the road of I don't know what I want to do with him. So he was certainly moody mm-hmm. in the third one, but in a way that worked. In a way where it's like, eh, you're a 13-year-old boy, hormones. And you're going yeah, to be like, angsty. Yeah, and like you're obviously in love with Hermione, but yeah. at the same time, you uh, her cat ate your favorite pet. Yeah, it's like your rat is, you believe that your rat has been eaten by the cat of the girl that you love. So, a lot of emotions. Yeah, exactly. For a 13-year-old yeah. to handle. On top yeah. of the fact that she is unremittently, like, she does not apologize No. For She's like, he's a cat. That's what they do. I'm like, cool. If Gandalf ate, like, your hamster or something, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll buy you a new hamster or mm-hmm. like something. You don't just be like, oh, that's just the way things are. Yeah, and that's, I... Uh, you can't prove it. You this- didn't see him eat... And that's, this is the issue that Rowling got into, because I, I talk about this thesis a lot, and it's, uh, she had the perfect balance for the trio in the first three books. Yeah. And then this is where it started to mm-hmm. teeter a little bit, 
because she starts to make Hermione perfect. Yeah. Where she's a good person, she's brilliant, and she always has the answer yeah. to everything. Where her having the bossy streak in the first two books is a great character flaw for someone like Hermione. Yes. Where, uh, yes, she is brilliant, and she knows it, which gives her a little bit of an ego and makes her a bossy Betty. The The problem is by making... It, you know, it's like a, it, it's like building a pyramid. If yeah. you build one side solid and you know, another side not, the whole thing's going to tumble down. Right. It's... Where Ron... It's, you've said this a million times. Like, Ron needed to have something that he was the best at. It is. It's Ron... And this this is the book where Ron is unremittingly an, an asshole. asshole. Multiple times. And the funniest part is, I always think of the big fight that he has with um, Harry yeah. as being... Um, Ron's dickishness, and that denotes the argument he has with Hermione, mm-hmm. which is way worse. Um, it is... Oh, I, the one about Crumb? Yes. Yeah. I totally accept that, uh, what's my god, him being annoyed that she's dating Crumb, yeah. but she, uh, like, Rowling just beat the shit out of Ron in this book, and I feel so bad for and him. Because it, it is, it's literally like, y- as, as a character as a mm-hmm. boy you can be pissed off that the girl that you like is dating mm-hmm. one someone else two someone a hell of a lot older four mm-hmm. years older 14 and 18 kind of creepy 14 and 18 kind of creepy yes i agree um and he's also an international professional quidditch player yeah no not not an international he's the best quidditch he's player the best in the seeker world. in the world so yeah it's like very reasonable for ron to be miffed about that yeah it's but uh, he reacts like a toddler throwing a tantrum and like beats the sh- like verbally and emotionally beats the shit out of hermione for I, it's it's awful it's the unequalness yeah if ron was dating somebody else if Ron Say was, two years later when he's dating Lavender, he can't understand why Hermione's upset. Uh, I know. Uh, that one I forgive a little bit more. Only slightly, because Hermione was asking for it. Anyway. Um, but it's the it, the absolutely ridiculous note that Don't Hermione... Don't no, 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 no. It's not Ron. I, mm-hmm. My thing is J.K. Rowling. Yeah. The way that she wrote, well, Hermione's... 14 she's never been particularly attractive but the, like the the guy that everyone wants to bang on in the entire wizarding world is gonna fall for a 14 falls year old for hermione yeah. immediately yeah and, then, and like before she does her whole glow up with like this would even be is this the book where she gets hit with malfoy's curse by mistake and her teeth yes, grow yes so yeah so then she shrinks her teeth up um but it's it's just one of those things of like Oh, well, Hermione has everything because her, Hermione's perfect, but... She's Ron, becoming a bit of a Mary Sue in these books. It's on top of the fact that, um, you know, it's, okay, Hermione can date somebody. Yeah. And I think that's excellent fuel to aggravate yeah. Ron. Imagine if she dated Seamus. That would be great. Mm-hmm. That would be so good. But it's she has to date the number one international Quidditch star because yeah. that's the quality Hermione is. Yeah. And then you it's parallel she, that with... Ron has to ask out uh, Fucks Fleur. up and, and panics and asks out Fleur Delacour. Yeah, exactly. And it's comical because Ron's not that attractive. No. Like, how could he ever... Like, she looked at him like he was frog spawn. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, why it's, do you constantly have the need to belittle Ron and then make Hermione amazing? Rowling wanted Hermione to be at 
the Yule Ball as, like, a center of attention. She, but having, she could never go with Cedric because she needed that conflict between Harry and Cedric over Cho. Mm -hmm. She wanted to make Ron jealous, so she had to have Hermione go with somebody else. And it just had to be the other male uh, Triwizard champion who just happens to be an international Quidditch player who's the best seeker ever. Yeah. It's just, it's it's too much. Uh, I don't like that it's not resolved either. I don't like that um, Hermione doesn't openly say at any point in time, like, Mm -hmm. oh no, like it never really worked out. Yeah, it's like... I don't like him. It seems like she's still very into him and he's still very into Yeah, it's like they write to each other and he shows up to Fleur's wedding. Like, Mm -hmm. because he he stayed close to Fleur and they... Mm -hmm. they, um, he comes to Fleur's wedding, and mm-hmm. then it's it's very much like, oh, well, they just kind of, they kept in touch, but nothing ever happened, but something could happen. Mm-hmm. And it's two ships passing in the night, and yeah. it's like, oh, well, Ron thanks his lucky stars because he got the perfect girl. And it's like, all right, what does Ron have to offer Hermione? Yeah. It's because it's a distinctly unequal relationship. And that is one thing, um, one of the many things wrong with Cursed Child is... Absolutely. The way that they make the the Hermione and Ron relationship. Hermione becomes, like, Minister for Magic. Mm-hmm. And Ron is a stay-at-home, like, drunk dad. Yeah. And it's like, that is not the recipe for a happy relationship. They need to be equals on some footing. And that's what um, J.K. Rowling admitted. Like, oh, I think they definitely need counseling. And it's like... It's like, that's not... That's not a good story. No, it's like, you're writing a fantasy novel for children. Give them a happy ending. Yeah. Like, yeah, Hermione can be this brilliant witch who succeeds mm-hmm. at everything... But have Ron be, like, her rock. I was going to say, Ron doesn't even need to be, like, you know, captain of the aura. No, he doesn't need to be but head he or head like, anything, but he should be good. He should he be should, a good aura. Yeah, and I'm not even saying he should be an aura. I don't know what he should be doing, Yeah. what his personality suits. I don't have a straight answer. Like, maybe but he goes he can, in, goes in he, with, um, with George and becomes co-owner of Weasley's Wizard Weezes. That's what happens. Right. In like, no, but, no, I don't like that no. either. Because it's, oh, well, she's Minister of Magic, and she's doing all kinds of wild reforms, and what does her husband do? He runs a joke shop. Yeah. No, well, that, and that's, but that's also, like, she doesn't need to be Minister for Magic either. She could be head of the Muggle Office or something, and he could be in the Aura Office. And that's, I It think, needs to be yes, more I, I think that Hermione literally being... Hermione would have been a teacher, too. Minister she should have been magic. the professor of Muggle Studies. No, she should have been Transfiguration. That, she should yeah. have been or uh, Charms. Yeah, but she like she should have been a professor. That, that is who she is. Yeah, I um yeah I think she should have been a professor, and I think Harry should have been a professor. Oh yeah, too. Harry should have been the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. Yeah, that would have been brilliant, and he should have been what's it called? I think that Hermione should have stayed in the classroom, and Harry should have been headmaster. Mm-hmm. Even though Hermione is much more uh, capable, but I, I think, think it, that they, Harry they'd... would be better at making decisions. No, and they'd have the good. They'd have the good. Dumbledore McGonagall relationship. Hermione can be deputy headmistress. She can be like the the rule the rule enforcer or whatever. Yeah. And Harry's like head honcho. Yeah. Because that's that's exactly the relationship that McGonagall and Dumbledore have. Yeah, and you have that nice system of parallels. Yeah. Uh Ron doesn't ever have a talent that's good enough. No. He can't even get onto the Quidditch team without Hermione casting a confundus charm. Yeah, and that's I think that that would be a great um ending for Ron is I don't think I think Ginny being a that was uh, she made Ginny like too perfect too she made her a badass yeah I'm okay with her making her a badass 
But I don't like that she's a Quidditch star. I feel like... Yeah, and, and not that I dislike that she's good at Quidditch. But she play, I like that she's good yes, at Quidditch. Yes, but she should be a And fantastic... I like that she's really good at Quidditch, but I don't like that her career is no, that it's like a Quidditch No, it's like, she should be a fantastic chaser, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. But the fact that she's a fantastic chaser and she's the backup seeker. So when Harry wasn't able to play in the Quidditch final mm-hmm. his sixth year, and Ginny takes over for him, she catches the snitch and wins the Quidditch Cup for everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't like that she is the, like, hero of the Quidditch team kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she, like, she makes her a badass. Like, she, she can be a badass if she's the best jinxer in her year mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and she's known for her spunk and her attitude. Awesome. But, yeah, they just make... Hermione yes. and Ginny, they make two... It, unrealistic yes. really um it all and this is i know we've opened up this can of worms that has gone well beyond i know we're not even fire. talking about goblet of fire anymore but that but this is where it starts like this is very much she sowed the seeds for it yeah. and it's ron's a wild asshole to to harry for no reason and she emphasizes and emphasizes and emphasizes yeah well you know uh he's got all those brothers to compete with and you know she's uh, yeah she's giving him this inferiority complex and which he, he, Which if, he like, had. Absolutely. But he needs to grow from that, yeah. and he does not. Yeah, he needs to grow from that. He needs to overcome that in whatever way. Like, the fact, like his relationship with Harry and Hermione should help him to overcome that. Yeah, and that's he, what... He, as, as part of that trio, he has done more in his first three years of Hogwarts than any of his brothers did. And that's what... He needs to have a moment where somebody says that to him. And he needs to have a moment where he rises up. Mm-hmm. And if you postpone till book seven for that to happen, I'm okay with yeah. that. But you need to seriously have Ron be really comfortable with himself mm-hmm. and grow. Yeah. And I think that she stagnated him and actually made him be a worse person mm-hmm. as he got older. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's and I think book four is obviously his biggest dick roll Mm -hmm. the whole thing with uh harry getting his name out of the goblet of fire and then being like oh why didn't you put my name in there yeah is like that's so it's it's not 14 year old behavior no it's like eight year old i was gonna say it's it's, childish it is but it's and it's also it's like your best friend who has said nothing else is in the entire time you've known him other than like he just wants to be a normal kid and not have to have to deal with all of this pressure and everything you really think he's going to put his name in the Goblet of Fire and try to be one of the champions, even though he's underage, super dangerous, super deadly, all the eyes of the school are going to be on him. That's the last thing Harry wants. And the loyalty built up between the yeah. two of you, and you really think that he put his name in and forget about you? Yeah. Uh, it's it's, hand, un, it's it's ham-handed to create conflict. Yeah, for the sake of it is unrealistic, conflict. and it is just to, like you said, create conflict and make Ron an asshole. Yeah, and it, whether or not I she intended think, I that. I don't think she intended to make Ron an asshole. I think she wanted to show um, angst. This, yeah. is, this is the most angsty yeah. book, which, uh, you know, parts of that I love because she just uh, gets... And parts of it are realistic because, like, I don't like thinking back to when I was 14. Oh, no, no. Not a fun time. Yeah. Um, Eighth grade? Oh, God. But it was just, uh, they did such a good job. Well, eighth grade, freshman year. But um, mm-hmm. I, uh, they did such a good job of, or I, they, um, actually no, I'll say they because the the director did a really good job and the uh, and the writers for the actual script mm-hmm. uh, for the movie did a brilliant job adapting it. 
But it's all about that teen angst of like, ooh, we're starting to like people. Puberty hit. Like, people are attracted. And that was one thing in the the 20th anniversary reunion special where they talked about, yeah, we're filming this movie and we're all feeling these feelings because we're all 13, 14, 15 or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. like everyone's got crushes on each other. We're all asking each other how to ask people out. Oh, yeah. That was Daniel Radcliffe. He was like, there was not a lot of acting going on there. He was like, this is is actually what it is. It's like, I gotta dance with a pretty girl. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the sound we would make. It is... (laughs) Yeah. It was... uh, I mean, like, everybody goes through that awkward, terrible phase. Yes. Especially with school dances. It's just the way that J.K. Rowling talked about it that I identify with so much from just painfully shy days of the, um, you know, you have to ask a girl to the dance and that entire storyline of Ron and Harry just, like, completely having a meltdown. Why do they always move in packs? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that could have come right out of my face with yep. me and Reggie in, you know, yep. uh, freshman year of high school. And the absolute terror and panic and just absolute fear of not being asked. Or going, like, because the school dances that I went to, um, it wasn't a whole lot of, like, asking to the dance. It was like everyone just showed up. But then you legitimately had, like, in the, the learning to dance scene, girls on one side, boys on the other. And it was crossing. Oh, that's the rule, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like my my um, my grandfather tells stories about going to dances when he was growing up in the 40s and the 50s. And, like, having to cross that long stretch of mm-hmm. auditorium or gym to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, it, um, you know, when he has to ask show out and he just somehow finds the courage and it all spills out immediately and she has no idea. Does anybody feel like you with me? Yeah, and she said, like, what? Yeah. Um, so it's, it, I think that it was, I don't know, maybe it's, it's just No, it's, it's very it's real. It's just, a, It's yeah. very, very real. Um. And it was comforting to see that, like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's the norm. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it was very much a thing where it was like, okay, everybody feels this way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's one of the highest compliments I can give this book, is that it was very real in that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to... Yeah. I, uh, th- we should pro... Whew. So we're going to have a bigger one, a bigger discussion after this. But I think we should tackle the big one, which is Hagrid and Madame Maxine. Oh. I ship them. I, I ship them so hard. It's, uh... It's, oh, they went on that mission in, the, in Order of the Phoenix. There was, there was some, there was some, 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 some giant stuff going on. Uh, Hagrid isn't a small man. Neither is she. Well, that's... Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, Maxime's a top. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, uh... How, how offended she was when he dared to... I have big bones. Uh, big bones? You're a half-giant lady. Yeah. Accept it. Um, I think that... Uh, I think they're actually a great couple, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that... But the, talking about unequal partnerships is... Uh, what's been called? Hagrid is the gamekeeper. Yeah. And she's the headmistress head of, of um, the magic school of France. Hagrid doesn't give a shit. He's no. really secure in himself. Yeah. He's he had, very happy with his animals and his hut and his and Fang and his yeah, pumpkins. Exactly. And... He loves his gig. Yeah. I think that, that would be 
Brilliant. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I know, would love that. And that's uh, what I think. But JK, here we go. Is Hagrid going to move to France? Uh, I think Maxine would move to. She went. Hogwarts. She retired. She yeah. come, they're not going to have to get a bigger hut. I. Mm, that bed's know. not big enough for the both of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very far off look in your eye. I was trying to think of something witty and couldn't come up with anything. Oh. But, um, the, yes, I think... The question we, is, does Fang like her? Because if Fang doesn't like her, it's not going to go. Oh, yeah, that's true. But no, I think, um, as, as, uh, Hagrid says, you know, she's, she's an elegant lady and whatnot, but she don't mind hoofing it. Like, she's, yeah, she, <laughs> or like, what is it? Yeah, she don't mind roughing it. Or, roughing it. Yeah, because they're, like, out in the, the mountains of yeah. Eastern Europe or something. Yeah. Wherever so, they went to hunt for giants. And that's, I think... Uh, I think they're an excellent couple, and I, I have my headcanon version of Harry Potter, and she comes back, Flitwick retires, and she teaches charms. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's really funny, going from a, from a, an elf. What was, was Flitwick? Uh, I think they said he had goblin blood. Goblin blood? Yeah. Yeah. Goblin, half goblin to a half giant S. Oh, well, charmed. Well, um, and they have the centaur teaching div- divination, Yeah, so. exactly. Um, Dumbledore's really got quite the diverse staff pool. Yeah, he's a good guy. He is. Um, What's your favorite task out of the three? Yeah, we should probably talk about that, too. Uh, I haven't even touched on the tasks. Well, it's it's a tome. This is is a a big book. It is. It is. And it's an important one. Yes. And uh, it's it, a, I, I it's, stand by it. Is it. The it is best, the turning point. It is the best-selling um, Harry Potter Is movie. it really? I think it made more money than anybody else. I think. I'm not I'm 100% sure. Right it's now. either the highest rated or it's the highest grossing, and I forget which. Um, which I think is funny, because I, I don't think that it deserves <laughs> either of those titles. I'm looking that up right now. You keep talking. Um, so, my favorite task of the three... Um, First task is getting past the dragon. Second task is water. Third task is the maze. I think the first task is the best. Mm-hmm. The dragon. I, yeah, I think yeah. that. I think that's a good creative. I could see that, like, if dragons existed, like that's a very like Olympian yeah. task. Yes. Um, the second task is okay. I don't think it should have been as hard for Harry to figure out that how to breathe underwater I feel like that would that should have been something that like well it's, it sounds like the charms or whatever that you learn are like fifth or sixth year charms which I think is why and, but that's my thing like in inclu- theory that's why you had to be 17 to enter because you which, had the magical knowledge yeah, yeah 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 but he could have just pulled out the yeah fifth and sixth year Chinese books yeah and then read up on it so i think that was a little ham-handed by her yeah to come up with it um and then i i don't think it's that creative no no no, no not the book the um the movie oh i think you meant the the no, the, the grossing it, book no, no oh well to satisfy our loyal listeners harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban is apparently the best-selling Oh, no. That's the lowest selling. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone has sold 120 million copies. Yeah, I knew that before. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't. 
Yeah. The Hobbit is the best-selling book of all time. Is it really? The best-selling novel of all time. I think okay. the Bible still wins. Uh, Goblet of Fire is the sixth best. Um, it's the sixth best? Yeah. For grossing movies? No, 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 no. For out, out of the Harry Potter books. It's the second to last in, in I, copies I'm sold. I'm talking about... Yes, I'm looking that up now. Um, um, but I think the second task is a little boring. I think, um... I think yeah, there's stuff. like there's no Oh, the Grindylows. But there's yeah, there's like there's no real risk there. Like you might get eaten by a dragon in the first task. Yeah. In the second task it's like Fight the Grindylows. Yeah, and like the, the Mer people aren't gonna kill you. Um and Dumbledore's not gonna let you drown. And that's kinda my thing. Um like, I wish it had been a little I, I there should have been a little bit more yeah, and then of course the the maze. There's like I think the maze sucks, honestly. Really? Yeah, I think it's so lazy because all I don't think she had good ideas for what different things that wizards could do. Yes. I'm gonna pretend like I haven't re-recorded this ad fifteen times. Hi, I'm Ben Hunt. I hate to interrupt your lovely podcast experience with this ad, but I'm going to anyway. Why? Because Anchor needs me to. So I'm really never going to advertise for anything that I don't believe in. And Anchor, I actually believe in. So Anchor is an app or a website that allows me to do everything I need to for the podcast. It allows me to record and edit right from my phone or my computer. It also allows me to distribute my podcasts on every listening platform you can think of, from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even Stitcher. So basically, it's a one-stop shop for everything you need in a podcast. And best of all, it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ah, uh, no, I'm actually wrong. Goblet of Fire is number three. Okay. On highest which was rated. the um, which was the first one? Did you notice? Uh, Deathly Hollows. Part one or part two? Part two. Oh yeah. And then uh, Battle of Hogwarts is kick-ass. I yeah, I think it's magnificent. And, and then we... number two is um, Prisoner of Azkaban the movie. Yep, there we go. Mm-hmm. Prisoner of Azkaban movie is fantastic. It is. I wonder why they didn't keep Alfonso Cuarón on for. I think he only agreed. Did he only to want to do the first? Yeah. Only I the think one. He only wanted to do one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so we were talking about tasks. I, I think the maze sucks. Okay. I think... JK In the Rowling... book, I like it more. The yes. movie, the movie version of it, I feel like they... They had, like, the weird crumb imperious scene without having any kind of previous explanation for that, because crumb was imperious earlier on in... Um, in the book, not Imperius, but he was with Harry when they found. Yes. Um, Barty Crouch. Yeah, which is a big scene that needed. Yeah, to happen. they just find Barty Crouch's dead body, and then nothing is ever said of it again. Yes. It's like, oh, murder at Hogwarts. Yeah. Okay, this happens on the regular. Yeah, it's um. It's so weird what they leave out. Yeah, like I said, it's probably it, it's a good movie, but it's got some of the biggest holes yes. by far. Yep. Um trying to think no i liked i liked the maze in the book because i felt like it did require you to be able to do more than just 
memorize spells. So my thing is I think the maze is just another setup where J.K. Rowling has a tough time coming up with um, different ways to use magic Mm -hmm. to, like, defend yourself and, like, magical combat. So she does in book one, it's the different levels that you have to go through, the different rooms and stuff. And it's like, you gotta be clever in one room, and then you gotta... And yeah. it's, um, it's an obstacle course. Yeah. And then in the third one, they have their Defense Against the Dark Arts class. And uh, their final is a... Is a um, what's it called? Um, what did I just say? Obstacle course. Yeah. It's another obstacle course. Right, they have to get past all the different creatures. And then the... And then... Um, I think the dragon is, like, kind of one big obstacle, which I actually, I like. I think mm-hmm. that works. Um, the the lake is kind of like, once you figure out how to breathe underwater, it's yeah. cheese. Um, and then I think the maze is just, it's another obstacle course. And then I think um, the Department of Mysteries is another obstacle course. That's fair. I yeah. I mean, that's just me. I think she's done it too many times, and I think no, the weakest that's, that's, is probably the maze. That's it's a fair criticism. Um, I would have liked it more if they kind of linked all the tasks together, like they did between the first and second, where you get the egg from the dragon, and you have to figure out like how to crack the riddle of the egg in order to figure out what you need to do for the. Yeah, I agree. If I there was something in um, the and second task that would have given you. I don't physically hate the maze idea. I actually think that's really cool yeah. and terrifying is that you have a living maze yeah. that changes yeah. on top of like the roots can get you like yeah. in the movie. I think that's, gotcha. I, yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's a cool obstacle in and of itself, mm-hmm. but you should have something else in it instead of like bang ended scroots. Yeah. And blast the, ended scroots. Yeah. The, the fucking Sphinx. Cause I, oh, I, I like the Sphinx. I, so I love um sphinxes i think they're a i think they're gorgeous i think they're really cool and i think they're underrated as things to be used in mythology and fantasy and it's something that i would really love to include in any mythology and fantasy that anyone creates in the future however that is the shittiest most infantile riddle i have ever heard because not only does he get it and go, oh, I get it. It's dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. It's not like, oh, what, like a clever thing. Like, token spat out riddles left and right that were genius. I never guessed those. And when you get the answer, you go, oh. Of course. Like, oh, yeah, like, that's so good. Listening to the Hobbit audiobook with the, the narrator's like, You've, you, of course, have got it by this point. And I'm like, no, I haven't. Stop calling me dumb. Yeah, exactly. But that's, like, it's a very good, um, like, well-written riddles and stuff like that. And Shaking gives us the uh, spider. Like, what? Oh, my God. It's so fucking stupid. It's like, oh. No, my favorite riddle from The Hobbit was the, what has... What is it? Four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, three legs at night. Man. Yeah, man through over time. Mm-hmm. It's I like riddles like that because they are so obvious when you get them, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like abstract and like weird to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, a box without ke- uh, keys, uh, hinges, or lid. Mm-hmm. Yet inside, golden treasure is hidden. Excess. Yeah, exactly. Um, Thirty white horses on a red hill. First they chant, then they stamp, then they stand still. 
It's teeth, right? And it's teeth. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. like that alone. Oh. That's a great riddle. Because that's riddle your re- that is your reaction. I want to is... watch the riddle, the riddle scene from the movie now. Eh, we'll see. But it's... Get me drunk enough and we can watch The Hobbit. No. <laughs> You'll never get me drunk enough. Um, that's a fair, fair point. Yeah. It's... Uh, I it, it's a shitty riddle and that's yeah. kind of what makes me hate the maze and I hate but, the blast ended screeds too because that's another fucking thing with J.K. Rowling they shit she, fire I don't care that they shit fire alright you can feed them Popeyes they do the <laughs> same thing but it's the fact that they have that she just has to belittle poor Hagrid Hagrid, Hagrid. Should be a, he should be a fantastic care of magical creatures teacher. And his, uh, what's we'll call it? Him, ta- uh, him, the flobber worms in Prisoner of Azkaban are hysterical. That's ten out of ten. That's really funny. Is that he's depressed, so he has to come up with like the the most serious thing. And I think it was literally like they need to lead the flobber worms around on leashes and make sure they lived for an hour as their final. Like that's hilarious. Yeah. And I loved when J.K. Rowling's funny because she's a really funny yeah. person. But the, the the goddamn fact that she needs to kick Hagrid in the balls by... He can have a monster's uh, fascination. Yeah. But he's, like, literally breeding monsters and then handing them to children. Like, they're serial killers. And he can even have it as, like, a side hobby yeah. and show them, like, I'm making blast-ended screws. And that would be really funny. Yeah. But Hagrid should be an amazing defense against the... Not defense against care the... Care of magical creatures. He should be an amazing care of magical yeah. creatures. The, the lesson he has with the unicorn? Fantastic. Yes, it was amazing. The lesson he had with Buckbeak? Ill-planned. Would have been fantastic. I was going to say, uh, uh, if Malfoy... If Malfoy wasn't in the class. I was going to say, if Malfoy had listened, that would have been an amazing would've class. been fantastic. And that's, I maintain, is that Hagrid should have slowly realized, like, figured out how to do his class, or yeah. he should have just naturally been great at it. Yeah. I hate that she continuously makes him... She makes him him a buffoon. Yes, and she does the same thing, and I don't know... He should have the same cool, calm confidence in himself that Snape does when Umbridge is critiquing him. Yeah. Where he should... he, He knows his shit. He knows his animals. Yeah. He should not get all flustered when Umbridge is, like, breathing down his neck when they're dealing with bow truckles. Yes. Um... And his like his lesson with the Nifflers is another great one yeah. too. Oh, I love that one. I love Nifflers. Yeah, that's um, that's in this book. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. The Nifflers lesson. I love yeah, Nifflers. That's a good one. The Fantastic Beast movie created my love of Nifflers. Uh, sure. I I, I just, know you haven't seen. Have you seen it? I've seen the first one. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one all the way through because yeah. it was it's not great. No, it's terrible. That was another one that we could have listed in the Talking Token podcast that we did where just movies that have just continuously let us down. Oh, yeah. Is the franchises because they Because they're just trying to get money out of us. It is. They... Which is unfortunate because it had potential. Yeah, it did. And the first one was fine. Yeah. I, I thought the first one was pretty good. Yeah. Um, Continuing on, though, from the maze, we get our port key and we end up in the graveyard. Fucking Wormtail. Uh, I feel like we should talk about Rita Skeeter first. I suppose. Just chronologically. I mean, we've thrown you, we've, we've you, thrown chronology out the window here. No, we're actually moving along. Rita Skeeter oh, is the typical, like, blood-sucking reporter, and she's a fantastic archetype of that. Yep. Um, I think it's Miranda Richardson, I think, who plays her in the movie, and she is fantastic. Yeah, she does a very good job. 
I hate the character, but I think oh, yeah. I she's to. awful. Yeah, I think we are supposed to hate her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the port key. Not a whole lot to say on Rita Skeeter. Yeah, uh, port She key, exists. Yeah, I was going to say, port keys are introduced for the first time. Yes. I, um, I, like, I them. like them. I think they're good. Yeah, it's again, it's a, a good way of... Apparition is only for 17+. plus. Mm-hmm. Flu powder isn't always going to work. Side-along apparition apparently sucks. Yes. And the risk of getting splinched is a lot larger. So having a port key is a very nice way of getting from point A to point B, and I've always wanted the ability to teleport. Yeah, it's not a crazy one of mine. But I like... I, 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 I just don't like traveling. It, like, I do, but I don't. I'd much rather be able to be... I like, like being in the place. Yes. I don't like the getting... Getting there. Yeah. The flying and the driving. And yeah, I like driving more than I like flying, but I don't want to drive for like 12 hours. I hate driving. You also hate flying. I hate flying more than I hate driving. Yeah. Um, short answer is, I, you know, I, I, I think they're cool. I think they're very cool. So we take some Porky. Um, I, I like it better. Excuse me. Um, I like it much better in the book. That um, Harry and Cedric kind of help each other out, save each other, and Harry just goes like, "Oh, Cedric, you take it." Yeah. Like I don't care. Um, like I'm Harry Potter. I don't need any more fame. He's like, "A, I didn't want to be in this challenge in the first place, and I survived." So B, I don't need the money. Yeah. Um, and I like that Cedric was just a good guy. Yeah. Um, and he just goes like, "Ah, no, no." And then they finally agree on taming it together. And I think that that scene should have been dragged out a little bit more. Right. They had like much the weird, more intense. They had the we- like the living hedges coming to get them where they had to decide in that split second. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that um, I didn't like as much. Yeah. But then we get to the graveyard and... That entire graveyard scene has you on the edge of your seat. In the books? Mm-hmm. I think it's flawless. In the movie, it's pretty good it's um we have our first introduction of ray fines as voldemort yes and the cgi is horrifying i was way too young to be seeing this movie in theaters. oh yeah oh yeah i, I had never read these books or anything along it, the was, it took me a long like it's not even like it's gruesome mm-hmm. but it took me a long time to be able to one watch when he when wormtail cuts harry and two when he cuts off his hand because i'm always expecting like that spurt of blood which we don't get it's just like the hand goes into the goblet into I, the, the cauldron. so that didn't Neither one of those bothered me. No, it was more like I was, I was, I was imagining. Yeah. So I was squeamish. It was fetus Voldemort (laughs) really seriously bothered me. And then like the melting, like the melting clay. It was, it was, it was very, it was very freaky. It was a lot. Um, this was the first PG 13 Harry Potter movie, wasn't it? I feel like Azkaban. I don't think Azkaban was. I thought they said something about this being the first PG-13 Harry Potter movie. I would be surprised. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah, because, like, this is the first one with death in it. No one dies in Prisoner of Azkaban. No, I'm just thinking the transformation into the werewolf is like... That's that's... not... I didn't find that super terrifying. Oh, I found it terrifying terrifying as a kid. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is PG. Well, okay. Um, Consider me wrong. Um, I... There's a lot going on in that scene. Yeah. Within the books, Voldemort gives, like, one of the greatest monologues of all time. Yep. Like, top-tier villain monologue. 
makes it casual where it's not forced where like let me tell you my evil plan Mm -hmm. i oh but it's like he has so many quotes that are fantastic Mm -hmm. where it's just like i was less than life but more than death yeah and it's uh the way she describes his high cold laugh and his his voice and uh i i i Voldemort is a top tier villain yep. because of the scene alone. Yep. And then book six really just reinforces that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, no, he's <sighs> terrifying. Yeah. Um, I I think Wormtail's underutilized as a character. Yes. He definitely should have come back and done something. Well, more he's later. he's in book three for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Book four for a little bit. We don't see him at all in book five, mm-hmm. do we? No, I don't think so. Or in book six, I don't we think. We see him in book six um, serving Snape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's... At, like, the very beginning. And then, like, a hot second in book seven. Yeah. Yeah. He's I, very um, much introduced as, like, right-hand man of Voldemort, and then... No, he's Not even right-hand man, uh, He's introduced as Worm. Yeah. Um, which I like, but... but then not I don't really utilized. She, yeah, she didn't have a good... I don't think any of the other Marauders had good story arcs other than James. Yeah. I know, Sirius is... And sucked. Yeah. Remus's death felt like it was just a throwaway thought. Like, oh, I just need to do this to... Mm-hmm. Plot-based. Yeah. Um, the battle in the graveyard, I think, is fantastic. I love the introduction of Priori and Cantatum. Yeah, I think that's cool. I like um, I like that the, the, the wand... I like the wands being a thing. Right. The, um, the shared phoenix I, feather core and the connection. So I, I think that that would have been a better ending for Voldemort is if they had done if she had saved Priori and Cantatum until then yeah I know I I, I didn't mm-hmm. get why she felt the need to destroy Harry's wand in the seventh book yeah I know and, but that being said I love the uh, the Deathly Hollows concept right and yeah that would having Voldemort be, have the elder yeah. having and, Voldemort have the elder wand and still not be able to defeat Harry is yeah a cool thing mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm trying to think um, anything else for the graveyard? I love the Death Eaters. Yep. I love the Death Eaters coming back. I love the, the movie version of how they dressed up as Death Eaters. Yep. Um. The Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Gowns with, in black instead of white. Yeah. Any I gotta say, I love Brenton Gleeson as Alistair Moody in this film. That's, how did we forget We didn't Mad say a Eye damn Moody. thing about Mad-Eye Moody in this. Oh, what? my favorite scene in the entire movie is when he turns Malfoy into a ferret. Um, and I think Brendan Gleeson had more fun with that scene than any other. I he had so many good scenes. Oh, he's fantastic. Brendan Gleeson is Mad Eye Moody. He is Mad Eye. He's um, also my Winston Churchill. Period. He's your Churchill. He was in a. He was in two films that I watched in AP European History when I was in high school, and he played Winston Churchill. Well, that's funny because Sirius Black is my Churchill. I know. Darkest Hour. Um, he didn't need to wear a fat suit. <laughs> yes. Um, no, Brendan Brendan Gleeson is. I mean, he's he's in half a dozen things, and yeah. I I genuinely he's one of those British actors that's in everything. Yeah, um, he is fantastic as Moody. He, but he is he's just perfectly cast. Yep, um, just crazy enough. Yeah, and you just get this introduction. I love that like crazy ex or that's friends with, um, Dumbledore, and he's you know he's missing a leg and mm-hmm. chunks of his nose, and he's seen in the dark. Eyes. He's got a fake and, eye yeah. that can see through walls. Fabulous character building. Yep. Why couldn't she give a tenth of that to Ron? <laughs> I know. Um, I'm trying to think any best. other major points. Oh, that's another one of my favorite jokes. Is, uh, what's McCall it? Um, when 
uh, Cedric's father is uh, asking Mr. Weasley to come um, to help out Mad-Eye when he's, uh, they think he's going to be arrested. Oh, right, right. Um, for... Right, because that's when um, Barty Grudge Jr. is like, invaded his home. Yes, and uh, uh, Mr. Diggory um, says like, oh, you know, he claims there was an intruder, and uh, Mr. Weasley goes... Was there actually? Is there any evidence that there was an intruder? And Diggory goes, you know, Mad-Eye, more like there's a half-scared cat covered in potato peelings. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair to Mad-Eye Moody, there was an intruder. Yeah, exactly. He stole his so, identity for an entire say, year. They, uh, if their plan had been slightly different, like they weren't going to, um, you know, make an imposter out of them, somebody would have been there and, you know, found whatever was there dead moody yeah i mean if it wasn't dead moody if they were trying to kidnap him or something mm-hmm. people would have known instantaneously yeah. so good on moody yeah um i love the scene in the movie when he's again i said i love the the scene when he turns Draco into a a ferret but when mcgonagall comes out and says is that a student and he's like technically it's a ferret mm. technically Ugh. um snape and karkaroff are i like their dynamic Yes, I think that's... And I, that's, that's yeah. Alan recommending whoever plays Karkaroff. Yes. Um, trying to think. Any other major points in the movies or the book? No, nothing I can think of that's serious. I'm sure, um, you know, we've been getting emails and DMs for stuff we've missed in previous episodes. I know. And I've tried to... I've tried to cover that as well as I can. I'm sure we've missed something, and one of you lovely listeners will let us know. Yeah, and this is... Simply the first pass at oh, Harry God, Potter. Oh, God, we're going to spend so much time talking through. Yeah, there's more to come. As many sidebars as we went on about other Harry Potter films, we will find sidebars in other episodes about Goblet of Fire. This is true. So. So. So long. Thanks for listening to the Enlightened Podcast. We are brought to you by Anchor, a subdivision of Spotify specifically for podcasting. Not only can we be found on Spotify, we can also be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or frankly, anywhere you can find a good podcast. We can also be found on Instagram and Facebook. We're working on getting a Snapchat together. And in the meantime, you can DM us any questions, thoughts, concerns, or just a review. We've gotten more than a couple so far, and they've been overwhelmingly positive, not to brag, but we're pretty happy about that. So if you have any other thoughts or opinions, please feel free to let us know. And in the meantime, like and subscribe for more content.